of God say, figure it out. But over and over again, the word of God encourages us to put our trust in God, to put our faith in almighty God. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number seven, it says, blessed, everyone say blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree. Everyone say tree. A tree that's planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. How many of us are anxious in the season of drought? The reason this man is not anxious in the season of drought is because he's blessed, because his trust and his hope is in the Lord. And when our trust and our hope is in the Lord, we're like a tree that's been planted by the waters and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. fruit. You see, church, God never promised us a trouble-free life. You do know that. You can read the word of God from cover to cover. God never promised us a a trouble-free life. In fact, the word of God is clear. There are going to be times in our walk with God when we're going to experience the fire. There's going to be times in our walk with God when we're going to experience the, the waters. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will experience trouble. Jesus said, remember, if they hate you, don't forget they hated me first. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. So God never promised us a trouble-free life. However, he does challenge us to live a worry-free life despite the heartache that may be in our life, despite the difficulties in our life, despite the pain that might be in our life. Jesus challenges us to live a worry-free life, not to allow worry to strangle us, not to allow worry to choke us. This is what worry actually does. This is what it means. The word worry comes from an old English word. It means to strangle. It means to to choke. It was used to refer to the practice of wolves who would kill the sheep by biting down around the neck, thus strangling their prey to death. And this is exactly what worry does in our lives. It will strangle us physically. It will strangle us spiritually. Worry will choke the life out of us. Now, in the Greek, it's the word merimano. It's a form of two words. It's a combination of a noun and a verb. The verb is divide. The noun is mind. In other words, it means a divided mind. It means to divide the mind. The root of the word means to be pulled apart. In the Greek, it literally means to be divided, distracted, Drawn in opposite directions, it literally means to be divided into parts. And this is what worry does. Worry takes a knife to our thoughts. It takes a knife to our energy. It takes a knife to our focus. And it chops up all of our attention. And it sends us in a bunch of different directions. We worry about the past, what we said, what we did. We worry about the future tomorrow's challenges. It was Warren Wearsby, the great pastor who once said, don't miss this church. It's on the screen. Most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves. 
Most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves. Yesterday's regret and tomorrow's worries. And because we do this, church, it renders us powerless. And it renders us ineffective in our faith. It renders us ineffective in our witness, in our influence. And this is how some of us are today. We've allowed worry to strangle our peace of mind and to pull us in a bunch of different directions. I want to take a moment here and look at worry by the numbers. I want to draw your attention to the screen. An average person's anxiety is focused upon 40% things that will never happen. 30% things about the past that can't be changed. 12% about things about criticism by others mostly untrue. 10% about health, which gets worse with stress. And 8% about real problems that will be faced. I mentioned this illustration the last time I preached on worry. Do you know how much water is actually in fog? Seven city blocks of fog. A hundred feet high is less than eight ounces of water. This is why Jesus said, do not worry three times. So to worry is what? Worry is a sin. Worry is actually an express disobedience to the command of the Lord, but it's become one of those acceptable sins in the church. It's become one of those acceptable sins in the Christian life. Far too many Christians have taken up residence in Panic Palace at the corner of Fretful Avenue and Worry Yourself Sick Boulevard. But church, can I tell you, when you find yourself in one of these places, what you're saying is, God, you can't be trusted here. God, you cannot handle this situation. Your word is not true here. And can I tell you, church, there's no greater sin in the Bible than the sin of unbelief. And because Jesus knew that worry would would strangle us and, and choke us, and Jesus knew that worry would divide our minds, Jesus had a word for the worrier. Amen? Jesus has an answer for anxiety, and it's found in the great sermon on the mount. Let's, let's, go, let's go into our text. Look at verse number 24. This is where it actually begins. The thought Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus connects worry with money. surveyed said that their top stressor, their top worry, their top concern in life is money. And so what Jesus is saying is that there's a war within. And Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. You have to decide who you will serve. In the Greek, it's the word mammon. And it's a negative word. It's just not talking about our currency. It's not just talking about money. It's talking about materialism. It's talking about wealth. It's it's talking talking about riches. It's talking about stuff. It's talking about treasure that we put our trust in. And Jesus is saying that the love of money and the love of God cannot coexist in the human heart. 
That there's a battle that rages inside all of us. And Jesus said, we'll be either devoted to the one or we're going to be devoted to the other. You see, church, Jesus knew that your love for money and your devotion to it will steal your heart and it will replace your love for God and your devotion to him. This was the case with the rich young ruler. Then Jesus says, therefore, now let me just stop here long enough to say this. Anytime you see the word therefore, that's connecting two thoughts. That's not introducing us to a new thought. That's not introducing us to a new idea. That's not introducing us to a new theme. Jesus said, therefore, because there's a battle within Because there's a battle for our devotion, because there's a battle for our loyalty, because there's a battle for our attention and for our affection, because there's a battle for our heart's devotion, and you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body. Or what you wear now, before you're quick to dismiss and say, you know, Pastor Joe, here's where I check out. Because these are not the concerns in my life. I'm not concerned about what I'm going to eat. I'm not concerned about what I'm going to drink. I'm not concerned about what I'm going to wear. You have to understand these were the primary concerns of that day. You have to remember the audience that Jesus is addressing. Jesus is addressing an audience that's living in first century Palestine. These are people who lived off the land. These are men and women who raised animals and earned a living fishing and, and making crafts. These were the main concerns. These were the worry points of the people in Jesus's day. These were the basic needs of the people in his day. Food, water, clothing. If Jesus were addressing you and I this morning, and I believe that Jesus is addressing us today, I believe every time we open the word of God, God has something that he wants to speak to us. God has something he wants to say to us. If Jesus were addressing you and I today, Jesus would say it like this. Do not worry about life. Your retirement, your 401k, your job, your career, making the grade, getting into that school, getting into that university, your marriage, being lonely. Jesus isn't saying that these are not important and, 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 and that we shouldn't be concerned we should be concerned. We, we should plan. The scripture talks about working and planning, but Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't fret. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be anxious. Some will go according to the plans. Others will not, but you can face uncertainty. You can face tomorrow and still you don't have to worry. Look at verse 25. Jesus says, it's not life more than food. And the body more than close, Jesus will ask a question. If you want a fascinating study in the gospel, study the many questions that Jesus asked. Jesus asked just under 200 questions in the gospels, and this is one of those questions. Now, we know that Jesus never asked a question because he needed to know the answer. Amen? But he used the question the way a surgeon would use a scalpel to delicately cut into a new level of understanding. And here's the question. Is not life more important than food? 
and the body more than clothes. Is not life more important than your business? Is not life more important than your career? Is not life more important than your retirement? Is not life more important if you'll get married? Does retirement equal life? Does making money equal life? Does buying a home equal life? Does buying a car equal life? Does finishing school and getting that degree, does that equal life? Does that vacation that is consumed, your every thought, does that equal life? Jesus is saying there's more to life than the things we worry about. Life is about knowing Christ and making him known. Life is about bringing glory and honor to God Almighty. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 26. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns the way you and I do. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus said, I want you to take a moment and consider the birds. He actually goes on to say, while you're taking a moment to consider the birds, I want you also to consider the flowers. Consider the lilies. I wonder when they're sitting on the hillside listening to Jesus teach and preach, if many of them just stopped and looked up. If many of them in that moment just stopped and started to, to look around and Jesus said, your father made them and he never forsakes them. And he clothes them in, in beauty and glory. Why? Because it pleases him. Now, now think about it, church. There are so many parts of creation that, that, that no one will ever see. Think about it. How many flowers are there on the mountains of Switzerland? How many birds are there in the Amazon whose song no one will ever hear? And yet Jesus says our heavenly father clothes them and he cares for them. And you have to understand something. The, the sparrow in that day was very insignificant. The gospel says that you can buy five sparrows for two copper coins. And Jesus says not one falls to the ground. Not one of these insignificant birds falls to the ground apart from the father's care. Why? Because God delights in his creation and God feeds them and God cares for them. What was Jesus illustrating? Jesus was saying, if God does all of this for the plants, and if God does all of this for the birds, and if God does all of this for the animals, how much more will he do for you and I? Amen? And at the end of the day, church, we're talking about birds. We're talking about flowers. They have no eternal consequence. And Jesus is saying, you are more valuable to God than the birds. You are more important your life has eternal meaning. Your life has eternal significance. Your life has eternal importance. You are the one that he fashioned in his image. You are the one that he breathed into. You are the one in whom he, he placed his spirit. You are the one about whom he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Jesus says, when worry starts to creep into your life, when anxiety starts to fill your mind, Jesus said, take a moment and consider the birds. You are more valuable to God than them. Can we give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen.
Jesus is not saying be irresponsible. He's not saying throw caution to the wind. God is saying that we should sow, we should reap, we should work and get an education. We should get a job. We should study hard and set goals and be diligent. We should apply ourselves and we should be committed. But once you've done all that you can do in the now, sit back and trust God because he loves us more than he does the birds. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Let's move to verse 27. Here's another question. Jesus says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can any of you by worrying, can you add a single hour to your life? Jesus is saying after all of the what ifs. After worrying all throughout the night, can you by worrying today bring certainty and bring clarity to tomorrow? Can you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And the answer is no. In fact, worry does the opposite. Worry actually subtracts. Worry subtracts from our lives. Worry takes away. It takes away time and hours. It takes away faith and trust. It takes away peace and assurance. It takes away hours of sleep. It takes away from our relationships. It takes away from our willingness to do and to act. And so what Jesus is saying is that worry has no productive value. It's an exercise in futility. It simply doesn't help. All it does is subtracts. All it does is take away from the abundant life that Jesus wants us to enjoy and live in. Jesus will say in Luke's gospel, chapter 21, verse 34, he said, be careful. These are not my words. These are the words of Christ. Jesus said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Jesus said, be careful. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with anxiety. I have to wonder this morning how many of our hearts are weighed down even now because of worry and fear and anxiety in our hearts. I have to wonder this morning how many countless hours represented in this room have been lost due to worry. Hours that should have been spent investing in the kingdom of God and storing up treasures in heaven. Hours that should have been full of passion and creativity, but rather full of inactivity and dormancy. So many in this room, there was a time when you were full of joy and you were full of peace and you were full of excitement, but we've allowed worry to strangle and to choke that away from us. But church, can I tell you, I came this morning to remind us that God still has a plan and God still has a purpose for all all of our lives and while there's still breath in our lungs God has a work for us to do amen remember Jesus left his earthly mission with you and I the baton is now in our hands and we've been called to run and we've been called to be salt and light and we've been called to shine in the darkness there's a work to do and Jesus is saying don't waste time and energy storing up treasures upon the earth and don't waste time and energy full of worry because you can't add a single hour to your day. Simply trust in God. There's a work that he's calling each and every one of us to do. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Now, Jesus identifies why we struggle with worry. Look at the screen. It's verse number 30. You ready for this? Again, it's not my words. These are the words of Christ. Jesus said, you of little faith. You of little 
faith. You see, church, in order to understand the solution, we have to understand the problem. And Jesus said the reason we struggle with worry is because our faith is small. He said there's an issue with our faith. The reason worry is filling our lives is because of a lack of faith. There's George Mueller who who once said the beginning of worry is the end of faith. But the beginning of faith is the end of worry. You see, when you worry, you're saying one of two things, church. When you worry, you're saying one of two things. You're saying, I do not believe that God can handle this. Or you're saying, I believe that God can handle it, but won't. Now, in the first instance, you question the competence of God. In the second instance, you question the character of God. You see, church, when we trust God, we do not worry. But when we worry, we do not trust God. Worry says, I've got a problem and I don't think that God can take care of me through it. I don't know about you church but I'm thankful for the hospitals and I'm thankful for the doctors and I'm thankful for the professionals and I'm thankful for the specialists but my trust and my faith is not in the professionals in the specialists. My trust is in almighty God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're safe. Amen. There are some who trust in chariots There are others who trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Do we believe, church, that God is more than enough? Do we believe that God is able? Do we believe that God can provide for all of our needs because he's Jehovah Jireh? Do we believe that God loves us and God cares for us more than he does the birds? Do we believe that God is bigger? Do we believe that God is stronger? Do we believe that God is higher? Do we believe that God is greater than anything that we will ever face in this life? Come on church. Hashtag God is greater. Amen. Come on church. We hashtag all the time that dinner looks good. And we hashtag all the time I'm starting vacation. And we hashtag all the time that I got a new pair of shoes and I got a new pair of jeans. But when's the last time we said hashtag God is able? When's the last time we said hashtag God is higher? That God is stronger. You see, church, if we're going to praise the Lord in the good moments, then we've got to praise the Lord when life is difficult. And we need to remind ourselves each and every day that despite what we are are facing our God is bigger. I didn't feel like getting out of bed this morning, but God is bigger than depression. The bank is foreclosing on my home, but God is bigger than unemployment. It's another day without improvement, but God is bigger than the pain in my body. I'm not sure how I'm going to manage another week working two jobs and raising three children, but God is bigger than this separation. God is bigger than this divorce that's going on in my life. I found out this week that the treatments are no longer working and I've got to make some tough decisions but God is bigger than this sickness in my body church sometimes you have to stop worry sometimes you have to stop fear sometimes you have to stop doubt and confusion at the door and say you're not welcome today you're not welcome in my mind you're not welcome in my life I know I've allowed you to come in before this is the context when I typically invite you in but I'm not going to allow you anymore to choke me I'm not going to allow you anymore to 
strangle me. I'm not going to allow you anymore to divide my mind and to pull me apart and to pull me in a bunch of different directions. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King and God loves me more than he does the birds and my eyes are no longer on the problem. My eyes are upon the Lord. My mind is fixed upon God. My trust is in the Lord. My faith is in Almighty God. Jesus said the reason we worry, it's because we lack faith in our hearts. Come on, let's give him a hand. Clap of praise this morning. You see, church, worry denies the sovereignty of God. It denies the authority of God. It denies the integrity of God. And it's my prayer today that God would build faith in all of our hearts, that faith would arise in the house this morning. I love the story of Abraham and Sarah. God appears to Abraham, and God says, where's your wife? And Abraham says, she's in the next room. And God says, I'm coming back in a year, and I'm going to give you a child. And Sarah laughs, and God says, why did your wife laugh? And she, and she goes, I didn't laugh. And he goes, oh, yes, you did laugh. And here's what God says. It's Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. God declared about himself, is there anything that's too hard for the Lord? Job 42, 2, I know that you can do all things. In Jeremiah 32, it says nothing is too hard for the Lord. In Matthew 19, it says with God, all things are possible. And it's my prayer this morning. It's been my prayer all week that God would build our faith today because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's higher, and he's greater than anything we will ever face in this life. Can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. We love that Chris Tomlin song, Our God. He's greater, he's stronger, you're higher than any other. Our God is healer, he's awesome in power. Our God, our God, and if our God is for us, who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against us? Church, I don't know about you, I'm thankful that the word of God says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm thankful that the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I'm thankful that the word of God says, greater is he that's in me than he that's within the world. If you're thankful for these promises, come on church, give God another hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. We've got to continue. Verse 32. Look at the screen. Verse 32 says, for the pagans run after these things. Who are the pagans? These are the people who don't believe that there's a God. These are the people who don't believe in our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is saying, if you're stressed out, if you're worried, if you're bothered, if you're bent out of shape, you're acting like people who believe that there is no God. What we can never forget is that our temptations and our struggles are common to, to all men. The difference should be our response. The difference should be in our attitude. You see, every single day we meet people who are going through something very similar to what we are going through. And our response should be so different that they are amazed. Do you remember when Jesus finished the great sermon on the mount? The Bible says all who heard his words were amazed. And it stands to reason that if we put into practice the teachings and the principles found in the great Sermon on the Mount into our lives, that others will be amazed also. I don't know how you're smiling today.
I don't know how you got out of bed this morning. You see, what happens, church, is that our worry, it hinders our weakness. Our worry hinders our weakness. Look what the scripture says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 10. So that in every way, don't miss this, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. In every way. In every situation. In every circumstance. We need to make the teachings of Jesus more attractive to others. This is accomplished, church, when we don't worry, when we refuse to be bound by worry. Amen. Look at verse 32. It says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Look at verse 32. Just, just pause for a moment. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Can, can we read that together? Verse 32, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Can we read it again? Verse 32, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows exactly what you have need of. You see, church, there's comfort in that he knows, that he's on it. Jesus says, God knows these matters are important to you. These matters are important to God. Isn't it comforting to know that God knows about my business and God knows about my marriage and God knows about my family and God knows about my children and God knows about my finances. Your father knows what you have need of. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 13, verse six, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So how do we stop worry? How do we stop worry? I don't know if we have anyone who can come and just play Softly, maybe Billy, if you can come and just play softly. How, how, do we, how do we stop from worrying? Look at verse number 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Can I tell you, church, we don't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. We stop worrying by transferring our devotion. Jesus says you've been seeking first the wrong thing. And because you're seeking the wrong thing, it's leading to worry in anxiety in your hearts. As long as your devotion and your loyalty are to the wrong thing, your heart is always going to be full of worry. And so Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. What's a kingdom? A kingdom is a place where a king rules. And we're to seek the rule and reign of God over our entire lives. You see, church, as long as you try to run your own life, as long as you try to steer your own car, fly your own plane, push your own buttons, make your own decisions, you're going to worry. It's only when we make 
our only concern, his concern, and we submit our will to his will, that worry ends and joy begins. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. It's something that you actively have to seek. It's something that you have to pursue. It's something that you have to go after. You can have as much of God as you desire. I heard a pastor once say, he said, God does not have favorites, but he does have intimates. In James 4, in verse 8, says, draw near to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And God has promised in his word, Jeremiah 29, 13, that you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your hearts. And we're reminded in Hebrews 11, in verse 6, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. You see, church, if you're going to win the war over worry, God must come first. You see, Jesus doesn't want just a place in your life. Jesus does not even want prominence in your life. Jesus wants preeminence in your life and in your heart. Amen? He wants the first moments of every morning when you get out of bed. Jesus wants the first day of every week. He wants to be first. The Lord Jesus is not interested in being first runner-up in your beauty contest. He's not interested in being the vice president of your corporation. He's not interested in being second in command in your army. Jesus wants to be the king on the throne of your heart. And he says, if you do this, all of these things, everyone say all. All of these things shall be added unto you. Jesus says, if you will put me first, I'll take care of everything. Your food your fashion, your finances, your fitness, your future. And then Jesus closes with this thought, and we'll close this morning. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Look at verse 34. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will bring trouble. Tomorrow will bring some pain. It's unavoidable. And no Christian should ever be caught in what I call the then syndrome. Then things are going to be trouble-free. Have you ever done that? When I get married, then I'll be beyond trouble. When I have children, then I'll be trouble-free. Okay, scratch that one. When I get a promotion... When I get an increase, when, when I finish my schooling, then I will be happy. But church, tomorrow will have its challenges, will have its trials, no matter how hard you try to prevent them, no matter how hard you try to shelter yourself. Leave tomorrow alone, amen. Leave it alone. When that day dawns, God will give you the grace and the strength you need for it. Give us this day our daily bread, amen. Amen the present time you have all the grace and the strength that you need for today your calendar gives each day in its own number let's live them in that order church just as god arranged them stay in one square at a time at a time
Final two scriptures. First Peter 5 and verse 7. It says, cast all of your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Cast all of your anxieties and your worry and your fear upon the Lord, for he cares for you. In Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. The peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all human understanding. It will guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite us as we close. Can we just stand to our feet this morning all over this place? Can we stand to our feet? Can we just take a moment as we prepare to close? And can we just lift our hands this morning to the Lord? And can we just take a moment and just give him praise? Can we just take a moment and bless him this day? Come on, let's declare that he is great. Let's declare that he is stronger and that he is more than able. Amen. Come on, church, lift your voices. Lift your voices. Lift your hearts this morning in the presence of God and just give him some praise here this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We give you praise, oh God. We give you praise, oh God. We're going to close with this song, Our God, before we get to that song, Josh. just want to know this morning, how many of you are here, maybe with our heads bowed, eyes closed? Say, Pastor Joe, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning.